everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation with successful business owners who share their secrets of thriving in business while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Today, we're talking with Jessica Northrup, and I am really looking forward to hearing all about what she's got to say. It's interesting that she has come on my show today because she's going to be talking with us about clearing the clutter. And as I sit here looking around my living room slash office, I go, oh, I sure do understand that. We're getting ready to move. As most of you know, we've got packing boxes everywhere. We're missing furniture. <laughs> we're, we're in the middle of the biggest mess I've been in in probably 15 years. So I, I need help clearing the clutter. Do you, do you help box things up, Jessica? <laughs> oh, my goodness, Miss Nancy. No, I don't actually help physically box stuff up, but I do help people clear the clutter from their minds, their homes, and their schedules. So I am um, a mom, a business owner. I have been diagnosed with MS. And what really helped me to handle all of my different roles, to be able to manage the fatigue that comes with MS and the brain fog that comes with MS and the other stuff was to clear the clutter. Um, there was too much in my life. There was too much busy work. There was too much stuff, just physical stuff. There was just too much clutter in my brain. Um, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to do that. There was just way too much stuff. And when I really, really got intentional about clearing the clutter, doors open for me. I have a business now. Um, I'm a therapist. And so I have a group practice and I'm also a life coach. And um, that is what I help folks with. Sounds wonderful. And, and I know what you're talking about with the clear the clutter in your brain, I think of often as those nasty little voices that keep telling me things like, you're not good enough. Everybody else is better than you. Why would somebody want to work with you? Is that what you're talking about? That is exactly what I'm talking about. So I believe that everything in our mind, everything in our life really is either useful, joyful, or clutter. And if we think about it, all those never going to happen, you're not good enough, everybody else is better, you're never going to measure up, um, all those like really painful and hurtful things that we say to ourselves that we would never say out loud to another human, that's, that's clutter and it's hurtful and it's harmful and it keeps us from reaching our goals. So <laughs> I could say, you've got to understand, I have a very vivid imagination. <laughs> And I could see myself arguing with myself. You know, I hear one little voice. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that somebody's going to come and haul me off in a little white coat, but I could see myself saying, you're not good enough. That's not ever going to work. And then I hear another voice saying, oh, nonsense. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Shut up. <laughs> you know, and I get fights going on in my brain about what, you know, what I'm supposed to be listening to. How do you get rid of those 
of that clutter? What do you do to make it go away? So that's a really good question. And yes, there are, sometimes you do kind of have a little argument in your head and that's totally fine. Um, sometimes I'll even personify those voices and I'll say, oh, that's just my MS talking. That's just my, that's just society talking. That's just, you know, my third grade teacher talking. That's just something that, that came from who knows where it came from, but it's not who I am. It's something else. So sometimes a certain amount of personification actually can be quite helpful um, because it removes it from it being inherently you. When you think, because the thing that happens is these thoughts, they're in your voice. They happen in your own voice. And so you're trained to sort of believe what your own voice is saying. So you have these thoughts, you're not good enough, or you're too this, or you're too that, or whatever. You're trained to sort of believe those statements as being truth. So one technique is sort of that personification, just kind of where you were headed with that. Um, another technique is to say, okay, what evidence do I have to support this? So my brain right now is telling me I'm not good enough. Okay, well, what is good enough? What am I not doing that isn't good enough? I check in with myself and say, where are the facts? What could I look at and really put my finger on to support that I'm not good enough. And in most cases, you don't find a whole heck of a lot of evidence. It's just sort of this um, ethereal voice speaking to you, saying these things. And when you then ask yourself, okay, do I have any evidence that I am good enough? And you probably can say, well, yeah, I was kind to my son. I was, I showed up for my clients. I was able to tidy the house. I, and plus I'm just a human and I was born and I was born inherently worthy. And you can check on all of these different things and it'll give you some evidence for the contrary. Yeah. Does it ever go away? Ooh, okay. Um, does it ever go away? I don't think I can say with, that anybody's 100% goes away. I, I wish I could. I wish I could say like, oh yeah, you'll never have that thought again. But that would be disingenuous. And I don't want to, to do that for you or for your, for your listeners. These thoughts are probably never going to go all the way away. But you can reduce their frequency and you can crowd them out. So one way that you crowd them out is you get really intentional about having a mantra, affirmation, positive belief, whatever it is you'd like to call it, but having something in your head that you repeat, being able to say, I am worthy of asking for and receiving help. And just repeating that to yourself every time you go through a doorway by waking up and saying, I am grateful for this day. When we wake up and we have a chronic illness, a lot of times we aren't super grateful when we first wake up because we don't feel really great. So taking a moment and just saying, I might not feel really great right now, but I did wake up and I do have whatever it is that you have, whether you have family, whether you have a toaster that creates you a beautiful English muffin, whatever it is, there's always something to be grateful for. And so when you crowd out all those negative beliefs with positive ones, thoughts of gratitude, thoughts of affirmation and thoughts of hope, 
when you really inc increase those, then the other ones just don't have as much space. You know, it's interesting because something that I've always done and I've, uh, this is getting into a little bit of, of me and who I am, but one of the, the, I don't know if it's an affirmation or what it is, but something that I have always done that has always made me feel better is when I'm scared, mm -hmm. I say, I, I recite the 23rd Psalm. Mm. And that takes all the fear, you know, I've had in the last six years, I've had 16 very serious surgeries. Wow. And you know, a couple of times we would be in the, in the room getting ready for the surgery and my husband's sitting there with me and I am absolutely petrified. You'd think after 16 of them, I'd be, eh, this is just another one, no big deal. But a couple of times I just got so scared. And every time I did something like that, I would say, this psalm and I would immediately just calm down the other thing that I have just recently started doing intentionally mm -hmm. is to show gratitude for everything yeah. yeah and and I do it as a thank you God I really appreciate what just happened there, there was my husband left to go to work at 2.30 this morning, 3.30, I guess it was. And I heard him pull out of the driveway and no sooner than he pulled out of the driveway, than I heard this horrific metallic sounding crash. Oh, yeah. Scared the crap out of me. Of course it did. And I don't walk and I jumped out of bed and you've never seen anybody run so fast in your life to the window. And I ran and I saw these taillights way down our road. And then pretty soon I see headlights coming back, whizzing by our house. They turned around in the driveway across the street and whizzed back off again. And I'm going, what the heck is going on? And I'm thinking he's hit a car. There's been somebody walking in the dark. You know, all of these horrible thoughts going through my head. So I called him, which I was almost afraid to do because he doesn't like talking on the phone when he's in the car. But I had to find out what was going on. Yeah. And he didn't know. But I had happened to see when he passed that the, the tailgate of our pickup truck had fallen down. And it fell down with so much force that it went crash and bounced back up and bounced down again. So that was the metallic sound. And so I'm just going, thank you, dear God, that that's all it was. We can fix a car if that's the problem. You can't fix hitting somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so, or when I finally did get up this morning, I went, thank you. I actually got back to sleep and slept for a couple of hours. You have to look, I think, for the little as well as the big. You, so for one, I'm glad your husband is okay. Um, thank goodness. <laughs> but I, but I know that feeling and I think we all do. We know that feeling, you know, we hear that we hear a crash, we hear something and our brain immediately goes to, oh God, you know, my my person. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm sorry you had that experience, but of course I'm so happy that he is okay and that nobody, you know, that there, there was no accident. It was, it was a tailgate, but you are, you are so correct. You can't just express gratitude for the big things. And whenever I start teaching my clients about a gratitude practice, they immediately want to go for the, the big stuff. Okay. Well, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my house and, you know, and the big stuff, right. And while, yes, you should be grateful for the big stuff, it's not as powerful as being able to say, wow, thank you. My husband is safe. We can fix the tailgate. Wow. Thank you. I got an extra couple of hours of sleep. I don't always get those extra couple of hours. Wow. You know, this flower bloomed just beautifully and you're grateful for that. You're grateful for, I mean, there's so many things that you can be grateful for. And when you pay attention to those little things, it does a couple things it forces you to pay attention. So not only are you expressing gratitude for these small things, but you're actually mindful and paying attention to the small things because you can let those small things go without ever noticing it. And then, so you can't even be in the moment. You're always thinking like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, but this gratitude practice sort of forces you, if you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to write down five things that I was really grateful for today. That means that you've challenged yourself and you actually have to pay attention and find five things that you can have for your journal by the end of the day. So it can't always just be the same five things. Yeah, no. And, you know, I think it's really important right now, especially that we focus on things like that because Mm -hmm. there's so much negative that's out there. If if we can, and I I get... My poor husband's getting blasted today, but he watches the news. He's got all of the the news channels beeping constantly on his phone, bringing in, you know, things. He's a security professional. He's a Marine. He's, you know, been in, in uh, emergency care, EMS, paramedic. He's, you know, his whole life is that kind of horrendous world Mm -hmm. and he focused on it constantly and then he tries to tell me about it he says well did you hear about I said no I didn't I don't want to shut up (laughs) you know it's not something I want to hear about now tell me about the child that got lost and got found and was reunited with their family Mm-hmm. You know, give me some good things to focus on, because if I think if we sit there and we look at everything negative around us, I might as well just go back to bed and stay there. For sure. For sure. And then you're not experiencing life. You're not growing your business. You're not attending to your family. This is that's the clutter. Growing a successful business is hard enough but trying to do it while adjusting to a new challenge like a chronic illness can definitely derail the best of us. Nancy understands. She has been there, done that. With 30 years of success, she knows the necessary business hacks to increase your income and relieve the day-to-day stress of running a business, all while living in an uncooperative body. Nancy can help you. Connect with her today through the links in the show notes so you can see your business soar higher. So there's clutter in our media 
consumption as well. Ton of it. When we allow stuff into our lives that is neither useful nor joyful. Now, if there's going to be like a hurricane warning or something like that, I feel like I need to know that. And you should probably tell me so that I can, you know, make preparations, but every single bad thing that's, that's happening. I don't need to know every single bad thing happening in the world right now. Tell me the stuff I need to know. And then let me enjoy my life. I let me, let me have joy for the rest of the time. So yeah, we need to know some stuff and we should be informed as citizens, but we don't need to know everything. No, it's just uh, for a year and a half after my car accident, Mm -hmm. I spent curled in a ball. Mm. We were, we were living in the basement of my parents' house because we had moved 300 miles from our home to be near them, to take care of them. And (laughs) right after we had first bought a house, um, my dad had five heart attacks on his 90th birthday Mm. and my mom couldn't take care of him. And so she said, can you please come here? So we, we turned the basement into a a mini apartment and we were living down there, had the accident, was in a hit and run and I couldn't get up. I couldn't walk. I was in casts. I was having surgeries and I just sat there in a ball thinking absolutely nothing but negative, 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 negative. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence, I lost my business pretty much. You know, it just went down to nothing. Cried all the time. Yeah. And just was miserable. And I finally said, so I'm I'm talking myself into the different mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. I finally said, this is, I am not going to die from being in this car accident. I have nerve damage. I'm probably going to be in a lot of pain for the rest of my life. My life is going to change, but I've still got a lot of life and I can sit there and I can allow myself to suffer and be unhappy, or I can figure out what it is I'm going to do. That's going to make me the best person that I can be. Yeah. And I got back up where now, sadly, both my parents have passed away. And so we moved upstairs into the rest of the house. But it's a, it's a you got to laugh, too. You know, I think that's the other thing. You got to have got to have laughter. My my dad left me the house, but it's a 68 year old house, tiny hallways, small rooms. I'm in a, an electric wheelchair. I'm the pinball master. <laughs> I'm bouncing and bouncing I can't get anywhere in this dang wheelchair so you know I even look at my accident with gratitude because I'm getting a new house Mm -hmm. I'm having a house built so that it it does what I need it to do Mm -hmm. you know it's given me the awareness to see the people I want to help and to work with. Yes. And you know, there's so much to literally be grateful for that. I say, thank you for this accident. And that sounds kind of crazy, but 
it's it's that next level of gratitude. So I think that again, like you start at this, okay, well, I'm grateful for my family. And then you can maybe narrow it down. Okay, well, I'm grateful for this sunset and this moment sitting around the fire. Okay, well, that's now we're getting more specific. And now when you can actually be grateful for the things that objectively don't look that good. Mm-hmm. Um when you can get grateful for that, because you can see what it's done for you in your life and that it had to happen. It had to happen this way. Mm-hmm. And you had to go through that period of almost rebirth where you were in that ball. You had to do the hard work and it hurt. And we just like when you're trying to build muscles, right? It hurts. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things we go through physical therapy. It hurts. But on the other end, we have a benefit. It feels good on the other end. We become more mobile. We become more powerful. We become stronger. And it's just, we don't get those muscles, um, literal or metaphysical, but we don't get those muscles unless we go through some pain. The other thing I noticed is that word suffering. Suffering is a choice. Pain happens to everybody. We have pain, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, like everybody has pain, whether it's an inconvenience, we all have pain in our life and we get to choose, am I going to suffer or am I going to let this moment pass and move forward? And you made that, you made that powerful, powerful choice to be done with the suffering and to move forward. So bravo to you, Miss Nancy. Thank you. I think, though, that, and and we're absolutely not talking about what I said we were going to talk about, and we'll get there, (laughs) but (laughs) I joined when I decided about a year and a half ago, I decided that I wanted to actually work with people who had chronic illness and, and autoimmune, and I've had so many people tell me, oh, don't do that. You're not ever going to get any clients. Nobody wants to talk about those things. And I'm finding to a great extent that a lot of that is true for many people. 60% of the American population, it may even be more now because that statistic is a couple of years old, but 60% have at least one chronic illness Mm. of some sort. And so I decided by education, I'm a researcher. Mm -hmm. I've got a doctoral degree in sociology and in research and all that kind of stuff. And so I decided I was going to do some research. And so in order to do research, I joined a couple of Facebook pages that were for chronic illness. And I sat there and I started reading the the posts on these, in these groups and everybody's sitting there going, oh, why me? You know, how do I deal with this? And I just want to, and I'm going, okay, I understand that. I was there too. I get it. Yes. But you got to get out of that. How do you suggest that someone who is still in that stage of denial of, you know, thinking it's everybody else's fault, but their own. Sure. I could be really, really, really angry at the guy that hit me. Sure. You know, it doesn't do any good. 
it's it not hurting. Not solve the problem. Yeah, no, you know, so let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, but how do you tell slash encourage slash show people that there is another way to live and that they need to do some of this? Great question. Great question. Yeah, this is, this is one of the hardest areas for, especially for folks with chronic illness because they're in pain a lot. And when you're in pain, you're grouchy. I mean, that's just, that that's just how it is. Ask my husband. (laughs) (laughs) So it is, it's hard. Um, I think that a lot of folks with chronic illness have also been, they've, they've had their experience minimized. They've had people say to them, oh, we'll just eat better and do yoga. And that kind of pisses them off, as you would imagine. (laughs) Does me. (laughs) Right? Um, You know, like that's, that's not, that's not really, you know, and it is, um, hey, there's definitely power in nutrition. There's definitely power in um, physical movement. So I'm not downing either one of those practices. Those are, those are practices that have helped me. Um, But it is dismissive Mm -hmm. if that's all you're going to offer. And so rather than offering a practice or a solution from that way, what I try to do is join people where they are. You're in the hole, you're in the ball, you're wherever you are, you're in the deep, dark hole. Let me sit there with you for a minute. Let me hear what that feels like to you. Tell me what it's like down in this pit. Now, I'm not going to get all the way down in there with you. Um, I'm going to still stay a couple steps ahead because I don't want to get myself there too. Yeah. But I am but I need to hear your experience and not dismiss it and not just say, okay, well, that sounds fine. Why don't you do some yoga? I don't. So, you know, I try not to offer Band-Aid solutions, mm-hmm. um, but I try to listen, see where they are, and then talk to them about like what I think a couple steps out would look like. You know, what would it look like if instead of staying in bed all day, you made it to the couch and you don't have to do anything else, but what would that do for you? And I get them thinking and really imagining what it would be like. Okay. If I were capable of getting myself to the couch, well, then I could be around the family a little bit more. I could, um, experience uh, some of the hustle and bustle that's going on in the house a little bit more. And I I get them start thinking about that experience. And then we start moving further and further and farther and farther out of their hole, like wherever it is that they end up wanting to go. But I start by start where they are and just bring them a few baby steps at a time. And then I get them thinking, okay, well, what do I actually want to do with this one precious life that I have? And you might not feel like your life is super precious right now if you're in a lot of pain but it's still your life. It's still your precious life that you were given. So what is it that you want to do with it? Do you want to be an activist? Do you want to uh, be a painter? Do you want to um, uh, learn a new language? Do you, uh, there could be anything, right? It doesn't really matter what you do with that life as long as it's something that you choose and you feel is powerful. So I get them thinking sort of one step at a time. Wonderful. I, th- I think that's great. And, and I, th- I think it's not an easy job. And I give you a lot of <laughs> kudos for, for being able to do that because I got out of those groups. I said, I can't take this. <laughs> you know, I can't take all this negativity. And, 
And I, w- I would, I remember saying to one person who was moaning and groaning, mm-hmm. I said, you know, my husband got me up and got me out of the house and we went down and sat by the lake today and had a hot dog and a iced tea and man did that change my emotions and my mental and all that and the comment was well at least you can still get out of the house and I'm going yeah he had to get my socks on my shoes on for me he had to get me into the wheelchair he had to get me out of the house which is no easy task I had to get down the ramp I had to get to the car I had to get out of the wheelchair to get into the car he had to put the wheelchair on the back of the car you know, it's not as though I could still get out of the house. Right. Right. You know, it's the way you look at things. But to convince someone to look at things differently, or on the other hand, the problem that I often find is especially with women business owners, and you may have an idea about this too. When they hear that I'm there to help them figure out what tools and strategies to use that's going to make running their business easier, I'm there to support them. They go, well, I don't need any support. I'm superwoman. You know, I can do all of this by myself and I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm struggling. That is, oh my gosh. Yes. That is definitely an affliction that most of us, um, well, a lot of women have them. Sure. There's some sort of statistic that I don't have access to, but my gosh. Um, yeah, we don't like to be perceived as needing help. Um, we like to be the ones who give help Mm -hmm. and what, um, what that boils down to is, it's, it's, again, it's part of our mindset. We have something in our brain that says, if I need help, then there is something bad or wrong about me. I am a less than perfect human if I require help. So therefore, I'm going to prove to you that I am, that I am in fact a superwoman and I will never need your help. And I might be drowning, but if you think I'm going to ask you for help, you've got another thing coming. And um, we do, we have all these really, really hateful negative beliefs about ourselves. And yet, and this is where the disconnect comes because a lot of women business owners, no matter what our business is, ultimately we're trying to help somebody, whether it is with a service or a product. So if we believe that we are bad, wrong, terrible people for requiring help, what must we think about our clients? It is a huge disconnect. And when we can get comfortable asking for and receiving help, when we can say, I am worthy of asking for and receiving help and really doing that, we are going to be unstoppable as business owners because now that weird little cognitive dissonance, that weird little disconnect that's going on in our head that we maybe aren't even conscious of, it'll be gone. I won't look at my client as being flawed for needing help. I will be giving with a much wholer, freer heart. And they're going to feel that they're going to feel it. And our business is going to grow. 
So it's, it's one of these just like really dynamic processes. Um, but this is why I think, you know, again, we have to, got to clear the clutter. We cannot have any of these unuseful, unjoyful beliefs or objects laying around because it's just going to stop us from being the business owners we know we can be. I love it. I love it. And I think that that helps me a lot because I'm going in saying, I'm here to help you. But yet when somebody comes and says, I'm here to help me, mm-hmm. I go, I've been doing this for 37 years. I don't need any help. Yeah. Right. So I get it. I understand it. And, and I will be trying to do that more <laughs> that that helps a lot and now I am actually going to switch us over to talking about what I said we were going to talk about in the very beginning and that is if you build the baseball field are they going to come <laughs> so yeah so this notion um we have this beautiful image in our mind of what our business is going to look like and, um, and I, it's funny you use that quote because whenever I first started my first private practice um, back in 2009, I was talking to one of my cousins and she, and, and, I, and she was in um, not the same field, but she was in a different uh, medical field helping out a private practice. And so I'm telling her what I'm doing. And she, and she said that she said, if you build it, they will come. Well, that didn't end up being true at all. I was open for business. I had, you know, I had business cards. I had, I was on some insurance panels. I was, I was open and the clients didn't come. And what I recognize now about that experience is I was treating that job as a job. I was not treating it as my business. And for a lot of people, we don't, most people anyway, when they get into entrepreneurial land, it's probably not their first job. They've worked for another human before and they've been told here, do this task, do this thing, show up at this time. You've been given structure. When you are a business owner, you don't get that structure. You have to create it for yourself. And if all you're doing to build your business is believing that your business is going to happen, and preparing the the land for it and preparing the the field um, that it's not going to get it. It's just not. So you have to have a belief. Like I really believe that having a strong, clear mindset, um, believing in yourself, believing that your service is valuable, believing that someone out there wants your service. um, These things are important, but what happens is that belief then creates a feeling, hopefully of confidence or joy or excitement or something of that nature, you know, a positive feeling. And that positive feeling leads you to an action. If you don't have action, you are not going to get results. So the actions beget the results, but the thoughts beget the actions. Yep. Uh, Yeah. That's, that is the whole premise of my business. That's if you sit and wait till pigs fly, right? Ain't gonna happen. Ever gonna happen? Right. You, know? you got to. And one of the first things that I do with my clients is, and it drives me nuts because I get, you know, pushback all the time. But every client I start to work with does what is called a flight plan. 
and mm-hmm. that flight plan is a an 18 page workbook that digs into the mindset that why the heck do you want to do this what is it that you want to do why how are you going to do it where do you see yourself five years from now how are you going to get to that point mm-hmm. put together not only the goals but the steps to get to that point and they'll look at me and they'll say five years from now I can't <laughs> even think what I want for dinner <laughs> I have heard that exact statement many, many times from my clients too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I'm just going, <laughs> and the, the whole thing is you can work in your business or you can work on your business. And I just found a definition the other day that I truly love. And it's an entrepreneur has usually got 30 things all going at once. Their brain is spinning. They're doing this and this and this and this. And it's all big picture ideas, but no implementation. Mm -hmm. Yet, on the other hand, if you're a business owner, you're the one that's sitting in the background, letting other people do the work when you can, when you get to the point where you can let other people do the work. Sure. But you're the one that's planning. How many people do I need for this job? How much money do I have to make in order to hire the people that I need to do this job? You're the one that's creating all the stuff that's not really a lot of fun because it's not really the the grandiose big picture, Mm -hmm. but it's taking you out of your comfort zone of actually doing the work too. And so it's, it's a totally different thing. And again, it all revolves around mindset, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And that's, um, so you, you actually, you accidentally touched on a pet peeve of mine, which I am (laughs) glad that you did. Um, so there is this, um, in the ether out there, there, there's a lot of people, a lot of women that will talk about being a mompreneur, a boss babe, uh, uh, business, you know, all, all these like fempreneur, like all of these different, like little uh, weird kind of phrases and words. Yeah. And all it does for me, when I hear somebody say boss, babe, it makes me cringe because we are business owners, period. If you have a business, I don't care what your gender is. You are a business owner. And if you're going to bring yourself into this like fempreneur space, what you're doing is you're dumbing down your value and your worth. And you're telling yourself that you're worth that 70 cents on the dollar that we make in the corporate world. No, absolutely not. We are absolutely women are worthy of the same abundance, the same money, the same everything that men are. And if we're going to go ahead and put ourselves one step down before we even get started by calling us a boss, babe, mm-mm, no, no, that is not a way. So own it. If you're going to be a business owner, own it. 
do the like non-fun, non-sexy things like figuring out pocket suite and electronic medical records. And how do I, do I do Zoom or do I do some other kind of way of video conferencing? Like these things are not super fun to have to think about, but they are logistically very important. Absolutely. So how am I going to accept payment? My goodness. Yep. That's I've been spending the last week trying to figure out without creating bots, how do I let people know when my next meeting is happening because they can't even bother to put it down on their Google calendar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, but those are important things because if I don't remind the people that there's a meeting coming up, I have nobody in my meetings. <laughs> so, you know, so it, that's an important thing. It's not something I want to do because it's not something I enjoy doing. Right. But it's something that's got to be done. Yeah. And I had had a conversation in another group that I am in in Facebook about why the heck do you people... I hate when people call me lovely or, you know, hi, lovelies, how are you today? Or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And I'm going, that's demeaning, really yeah. and truly, I think it is. And oh, you would not believe the argument that got started from that. I, I love getting arguments started because people are... <laughs> You're a pot stirrer, aren't you? I am, I am. But, you know, it makes people stop and think. And you've got all these usually, and this is stereotypical, and it's not everybody, but usually it's the younger women who say, well, that's just the way I am. That's my personality. And then there are older women like me who say, heck, no, mm -hmm. I'm a business owner. Yes. I'm standing up. I'm proud of the fact that I've been in business for 37 years and I can do it and I've succeeded and I'm not a boss babe. <laughs> no, you are not a boss babe <laughs> and neither am I. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's really interesting because I think the bottom line really is we need to use our brains. Yes. We need to create a positive, a forward moving momentum within ourselves in order to be successful. And I don't care if you've got a chronic illness or if you're, you know, jumping jacks and doing high fives and everything under the sun. I don't care. We mm -hmm. still all need to have a supportive mind. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We need to have that, that strong, positive base. And that's where everything else comes out of. Well, I love it. And unfortunately, we are out of time. So I am asking you one, two questions. Okay. One, what is the one thing you want us to know before we leave? Oof, that is so big. Um, so the one thing I want you to take away is that you are worthy. And when you believe that wholeheartedly, when you clear the clutter out of your mind, your home and your schedule, you are going to experience the true abundance in your life. Beautiful, beautiful. And then the last thing is, if someone decides they want to work with you, how do they get a hold of you? So thank you. And I hope I do hear from some folks. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. Um, I am at, I have two Facebook groups. One is called Fighting MS Fatigue. 
And the other Facebook group is called Abundant Business Moms. And um, you can also find me at my website, uh, www.thenorthrupconnection.com. And I can give my email, but I don't know that you guys want that. So um, just we'll put it in the, we'll put it in the show notes. I'll so put, it, put it in the show notes for sure. So the website or the Facebook groups are the best way to get me. Cool. That's great. Thank you so much, Jessica. It has been an eye-opening conversation for me. I'm sure it has been for our listeners. Guys, if you have any questions for Jessica, put them in the group here and I'll make sure that she gets them and can answer you with them. And let me know what you thought of today's conversation. Share with others this discussion that we've had, because I think it's a really, really important one. Let me also know what kind of topics you would like to hear in the future. And with that, you can hear us on don'twaittillpigsfly.com. And until next time, guys, get out there, be productive, and soar higher. Take care, y'all, and I'll talk to y'all next time. Bye-bye.